but the changes are generally you know, expected to be subtle. Some are supposed to be increasing, some are going to be decreasing. Um, but when it becomes faking the facts, when it becomes faking causation, when it becomes basically intentional mis misrepresentation of material facts, now we're starting to bleed into allegations of criminal fraud and it needs to be investigated as a criminal fraud case. Um, Agenda that they have right now and, and this narrative that, they, that the insurance companies have put out and has been actually uh, advanced by Jimmy Patronus, that we're horrible, has now put policyholders in the worst position they could ever be in because they will not get representation. A lot of you probably read the Washington Post article that came out a couple of weeks ago. I posted about it on social media. And what the Washington Post article writes about and who we have on this show are the two people that brought it to light before I get into anything. The Washington Post article talked about insurance companies, inside desk adjusters, inside people on the inside of the insurance companies are slashing like fraudulently the independent adjusters reports so much that independent adjusters are coming out and saying that's not my estimate that's not my report that's not what i submitted they're um they're taking photographs away of structural issues they're editing uh, descriptions of these photos and they are taking away major coverage line items that would ultimately pay large amounts or just anything above a deductible to homeowners and just taking them away and it is Steve Stephen Bush of the Bush Law Group and Doug Quinn of the American Policyholder Association who are directly responsible for this article and for a lot of the things that came to light. And that's who we're talking today, talking to today. So I'm very excited about this podcast episode. It's a very special episode. I just literally recorded it just a few days ago so that we could post it today for you guys. I want you guys to watch it. I want you guys to hear about it. And I want you to know, I want everyone to be aware. Share this with your clients. Share this with homeowners. Share this with other people. Policyholders, I want you to watch this or listen to it. Claims Game Podcast, very special episode. Stephen Bush, Doug Quinn, let's go. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. I usually let the song play out, but I'm not going to let the song play out this time because this is a very, very special episode of the Claims Game Podcast. It is like next level stuff because we are talking to we're, we're going to be really we're going to be really talking about some really amazing things in regards to insurance fraud and some latest news that have been coming out. Uh, it came out from the Washington Post just two weeks ago, and just a lot of investigations and a lot of things that are going on in the background that are really bringing a lot of things out to the forefront that a lot of people don't know about. And it's basically insurance fraud uh, on the insurance company side, which people think that never happens. And what's beautiful is I have two of the two of probably the most important people that are involved in the background to make sure that these things come to light. Are you tired of waiting forever in a day to get paid on your insurance claim? Are you tired of having to drive to the insured's house that you can pick up your check and give them a check? What if we could take all of this away from you by using InkPay? InkPay is a godsend to our company. Everything is handled electronically. You take a photo of the check, you upload it directly into their software, and they take care of everything else. And the best part is the money gets directly deposited into your account. And when there's a mortgage company out, 
on there. They handle the entire mortgage company process as well. You have to call InkPay. It's been a game changer in my company. I strongly recommend them and I want you to go ahead and find them and use it in your company so you could streamline your payment process after the claim gets paid. Everybody needs an attorney on their side. So whether you're a public adjuster, a contractor, or anyone else in the insurance claims business, make sure that you have an attorney that you could rely on, that you can go to for questions whenever you need it. That guy for me for the last 12 years has been David Farber. David Farber is the owner of the Farber Law Firm, and he has been there for me from the beginning of my career until now. And I would love for him to be able to help you as well. So make sure you call him at this number here and visit his website so you can learn more about the amazing David Farber of the Farber Law Firm. Okay, we've got Doug Quinn of the APA, the American uh, Policyholder Association, and we've got attorney Stephen Bush of Bush Law Group, and they are here to tell us everything that we need to know. If you guys could introduce yourselves real quick, and then we'll get going. Doug? I am Doug Quinn, Executive Director of the American Policyholder Association. And Stephen? And I'm Stephen Bush, a policyholder attorney and policyholder advocate. (laughs) So I had to I had to get this recorded. I had to get this going because we were already going on a tangent about the things that are going on. Some of the things that we were talking about in the background is 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 what Stephen said is worse than people think. Uh, And it's a systemic problem. And it's not just in Florida, but it's going across the country. And before we get into all that stuff, uh, my first question and my first uh, I'm going to direct my first question to Doug, to Doug Quinn of the APA. Doug, uh, we recently had a pretty significant um, Washington Post article that came out. And as I'm reading the Washington Post article, I see APA, American Policyholder Association. I'm like, all right, let's rock and roll. We had a nice conversation at the Win the Storm conference. And basically what the article talked about was independent adjusters coming out and basically saying that the insurance adjusters, the inside examiners, insurance companies in general, are basically taking these independent, I quote, air quotes, independent uh, report that they are submitting to the carrier. And they are basically what I I always call they're taking like a a ninja samurai sword to their estimate, to their report, and really just knocking out a bunch of stuff. Now, before I direct my question towards you, I will preface that it is the norm, right, for an independent adjuster to put their report together, kick it to the desk adjuster. And if something is not covered, if something is a coverage issue, if something is whatever it is, then, then, you know, they, they are allowed to do that, but not with the way they've been They've been really adjusting these reports. What is it about this, Doug, that's such a problem? And what is what else did you guys find in all of this investigation that you guys did? Well, I mean, first, I, I want to give credit to Stephen Bush, uh, who is an APA member uh, and was the one that the adjusters from the carrier side, the whistleblowers, came forward to because obviously they had confidence that he was a, a straight shooter and an honest guy, even though they obviously had found themselves on opposite sides of uh, certain actions, but Stephen made sure he came directly to the APA and brought them to us so that we could have this processed as a potential criminal fraud case. Um, listen, this is the thing we all know goes on. Uh, it's just so hard to catch. And this is identical to how the APA was founded when we caught them doing the exact same thing in Superstorm Sandy. I mean, that was where the APA came out of. They were using inspectors, expert reports. Uh, and, and when those inspectors, in this case, it was engineers, sent them back to their firm, uh, the people at the firm would peer review them. And, and you know, I, I, I like how you're subtle with the, the samurai ninja sword. Uh, in these cases, that actually look like chainsaws uh, and were hacking chunks of these claims out. And listen, 
They have the ability to make changes. That's part of the process, right? The desk adjuster and many people up the line can take that original adjuster's you know, inspection report and loss report and make some changes. But the changes are generally you know, expected to be subtle. Some are supposed to be increasing. Some are going to be decreasing. Um, but when it becomes faking the facts, when it becomes faking causation, when it becomes basically intentional mis- misrepresentation of material facts, now we're starting to bleed into allegations of criminal fraud, and it needs to be investigated as a criminal fraud case. Um, you know, we are very concerned. Uh, the OIR stats in Florida are, and these are a couple of weeks old, about 180,000 Hurricane Ian victims have had their claims closed with zero payment whatsoever. These are people that had insurance, they had damage, and their claims were closed with zero payment. And of course, this could potentially be a massive fraud on such a large level. And you're talking about people that were already victimized. They've already been victimized by a disaster. Now they're getting victimized again by their insurance company, the people that the insurance company is hiring to help them process claims. And we expect the Florida authorities to stand up and investigate this as a crime. And if found so, prosecute it as a crime. I like how you mentioned misrepresentation of material facts. There are laws against that put in place for that very reason. So these things do not happen. And Stephen, I would have called you out first, but I thought I'd start with Doug. But this is true. Stephen had a large Stephen. Stephen is is really the catalyst here as to uh, as to what's going on and really bringing this stuff into light. Um, Stephen, we were talking before the show started. Like I said, it's 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 an epidemic and it's very systemic of what's going on here. And how did this all you explain to me also? How did this all start to come to light so that we could really bring this out to the forefront? Well, it's kind of funny because things kind of happened all at once. Um, I had a case where in deposition, the defense had hidden the original adjusters, the adjuster that first went out, they hid their report from me on a privilege log. And during deposition of the corporate rep, I asked about it and they wouldn't let me ask any questions. So when I deposed the field adjuster who went out first, I, I asked him, I said, did you go out? Did you write a scope? He said, yes. And I said, okay, let's pull it up. And when I pulled it up, he said, that's not my estimate. That's not the one I wrote. And I said, really? Well, what did you write? And he had it. And I said, well, can you pull it up? Well, the covering attorney for the uh, deposition didn't catch it and, and didn't object to it. So he pulled it up. And I looked at it and I asked him, I said, so is this the estimate that you sent to the carrier? And he said, yes, it is. I said, well, this is the estimate that was sent to the policyholder. He said, well, that's not mine. And I said, did anyone ask you to change your estimate? No. Did anyone call you about your estimate? No. So this estimate that was sent, that's got your name on it, by the way. And there's a letter here. And the letter says that you went out and this is a representation of what you found. Is basically what the letter said. That's not true? He said, no, it's not true at all. It's not what I found. There was a lot more damage that they didn't pay for that they should have paid for. And so that happened about a month later. I got a telephone call from uh, an adjuster who said he was an independent adjuster and he had something he wanted to talk to me about. And I said, okay, sure. So he called me and 
he said, we have all these files where our estimates are being changed and we're not, we're not authorizing them to change them. And it's wrong. It's wrong because we are seeing as much as two thirds reduction of our estimate. And these people's houses are damaged. There's a cat for hurricane went through here. These people had damage and they're not paying for it. And they're changing what we're paying for. And it's wrong. And then it just sort of snowballed and I had three or four that were calling. And so I brought them all in and TJ Ware and uh, his crew went in and we did some videos, which are on YouTube. I think it's called the Hurricane Ian Show. And you can catch those there. And um, it started to catch traction and more and more independent adjusters started coming out of the woodwork. And the more these independent adjusters started coming forward and giving me a call, the more I started to realize this isn't just Florida. This happened in, in North Carolina. It happened in Georgia. It happened in Louisiana. It's happened in Texas. It's happened in Colorado. It's happened in Illinois. It's happening all across the country where uh, TPAs, third-party administrators, are purposely changing estimates to reduce payout based upon carriers' policies and procedures. And that, my folks, is wrong. It's wrong on many levels. And if you want, I can quickly tell you two. One, from a contract standpoint, from a legal standpoint, when you enter into a contract with a party, both parties have obligations. One party, have you ever seen a contract between two people where one party must perform to the T? <clears throat> The insured, the insured, the policyholder must perform to a T. And then the insurance company can decide, well, maybe I'll pay you, maybe I won't. Eh, who cares? Who knows? Maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. And it's legal. It's right. Well, folks, it's not legal. And it's not right. And it's straight up fraud. And I believe that, that in a civil suit, it's going to be a class action with some RICO charges. Interesting. Interesting. You know, um, with the YouTube show and the Instagram page and stuff like that, that I have, uh, a lot of people don't know, but I get messages all the time from independent adjusters who are looking to become public adjusters. They want to make the switch. They're just not really feeling it anymore. And one of the biggest complaints that they give me is that I just feel like I'm not helping people. I got into this industry to help others, to go to these storm uh, these storm areas and, and write up these estimates so I can get them the money that they need. But this continues to happen. They keep getting their estimates just shut down and just sliced up. Um, Doug, what are some of the things that you're noticing that's missing in these estimates that are getting cut out? And what are just some of the things you're noticing in general that's happening on the in in-house to these field reports? Well, we're limited to what we can uh, discuss because this is an ongoing criminal investigation. Uh, so we don't really want to go into too many details. It's it's um, not appropriate. And the APA Consumer Protection Unit, which is where our investigators and our national prosecution coordinator do their work, would string me up <laughs> if, if I did that. So and, and Stephen probably would as well. Uh, you know, I'm going to say this. The heroes in this case are people like these independent adjusters who, you know, as much as, you know, sometimes I see people on the consumer side, they want to demonize everybody who works on the insurance side. Some of these people are honest, hardworking people with integrity, and they do see it in their heart that they're out helping people recover after a loss, after a disaster, et cetera. Um, and to 
stand up and go against your employer, to stand up and go against the insurance industry, which is one of the most powerful industries in the country, is terrifying. And these people are scared because, look, they got mortgages, they got kids' colleges they got to pay for, they got lives, they've sunk their whole life into their career, and they could find themselves blackballed tomorrow. And the subject of the insurance industry is very large, powerful, sometimes a little intimidating uh, defense law firms. So they really stood up. I mean, this is these are Americans. They stood up to injustice and did the right thing. And they went to the right person because Stephen Bush, many attorneys would probably take this and be like, cha-ching, we're going to settle this case. I'm going to get a little extra gravy to sign a non-disclosure agreement. We can do a class action. Um, and Stephen said, you know what, this is crime and, and we're going to take this right to the APA. And uh, And we appreciate people like that because we understand the sacrifice they make to do the right thing. Uh, look, we've all been to Southwest Florida and spent a lot of time in, in what's left of that area after Hurricane Ian, and there's still people living in tents on their front yard. There are people right now, as we're having this conversation, who are struggling to get out of bed today, and it's almost three o'clock in the afternoon uh, because they see no hope. They see right. no way to get home once their insurance company has told them, <clears throat> Nothing for you. you know, we've, we, we've controlled this whole situation and we've decided to pay you zero. So you're going to see some serious, serious problems with people trying to recover from, from this disaster because the safety net they put in place has failed them. And it's failed them due to what looks very strongly like criminal fraud. So, Doug, you may not be able to say something, and Stephen, you may not be able to say something either, but I myself am not involved in any of this, and I'm reading a Washington Post article, so I'm going to say some stuff that I saw in the Washington Post article that I read. I'm looking at right here, a basically a photo where it says it's a report of what was a photo, an original and altered. Original says, date, date taken 10-8-2022, high, mo high moisture content in walls and ceiling due to the roof being damaged during Hurricane Ian. In the altered photo, it just says interior date taken overview. No detailed description whatsoever. Obviously, it was deleted. There's also a quote from the independent adjuster where he specifically says, I wrote 44 reports for heritage property and casualty, and 100% of them were altered to where I did not recognize them. Every single one. They manipulated our estimates without actually collaborating. I didn't get a phone call from someone saying, hey, can we go over this estimate? I didn't get a text. I didn't get an email. Nothing. I can get in trouble for that. It's my name going on these reports. No one else's. That's just that's just on the article. That's just exactly what it says. And that's what's going on. Well, we can talk about what was in the video and the information that came through the video because that's already out there in public. So in some instances on tile roofs where they had replaced the, the independent adjuster, the field adjuster had paid for a complete tile roof. The TPAs had marked them down to 144 tiles. And 144 kept coming up over and over and over and over as the only number of tiles they would pay for. Now, this also happened in shingles, in, in cases where there were shingle roofs, but in almost every case, they were not paying for any roofs, not paying for them at all. And um, in other instances where the photographs gave a description of what was being shown, the photograph was either deleted or it was completely redacted to not 
have any type of description under it whatsoever, like what you read. These are the types of things that we've been seeing over and over in these scopes, but there are there have been some patterns. I had been looking for an accountant for years and I was unable to find anybody that I liked, that I worked with and was able to do what I needed to be done to my taxes and to my accountant. Jeremy David at Noble Wealth has been a godsend to me, my family and my company. We have saved so much money in taxes I can't even begin to describe and he knows what he's doing. You need to call Jeremy at Noble Wealth and get yourself the right accountant because he's the man who's going to help you save on taxes because ultimately you don't want to be making money, especially if you're self-employed and having it all go to the IRS. Call Jeremy, call Noble Wealth, and they will help you tremendously with the entire accounting process and your tax situation from A to Z. And this is, you know, it's interesting because I get chills when I hear you read that, Vince, because this is identical to what happened in Sandy and other areas that we've seen. Literally, you could take that same text. We have an engineer saying 97% of my reports were changed. And that was an actual scandal that was uncovered because somebody's a homeowner said, you know, to an engineer, here's the report my insurance company sent me. You cheated me. And he looked at it and said, that's not my report. Exactly what Stephen had said that he found out in that deposition. Here's my report. And when you compare the two, you could see these are crimes that are happening over and over and over again. And they only happen because of a lack of adequate criminal enforcement. Uh, and right now, the spotlight is on Florida. And right now, the responsibility is on the people who are elected, appointed, and paid to defend the citizens of Florida from being defrauded by their insurance company. Uh, and we certainly expect them to honor that obligation and defend their neighbors and their constituents. Now, the, the sad part of this is, the, the really, really sad part of it is, is that all of this is going on. And the policyholders have no clue. They are completely in the dark of what's going on. They have no clue of how badly they're being taken advantage of or how they're being taken advantage of. But then in the great state of Florida, we have um, our Mr. Jimmy Patronus, who calls public adjusters by the way, an advocate for the policyholder, Locus. He calls plaintiff's attorneys like myself, scumbags, uh, ambulance chasers, and opportunistic is what how he's referred to us. But yeah. I believe, I believe the term predators was used somewhere in there as well. Predator? You know, all, all of the, 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 the unprofessional uncalled for name calling that he did to the very people, the very people who stand up for policyholders. And then the legislature with this crazy um, um, agenda that they have right now and, and this narrative that, they, that the insurance companies have put out and has been actually uh, advanced by Jimmy Patronus that we're horrible has now put policyholders in the worst position they could ever be in because they will not get representation. They will not get it. And I'm just telling you from my experience in other states where they do not have uh, fee statutes or where they do not have avenues for adequate representation by public adjusters. Did you see what they're doing for, to, to public adjusters? This is crazy. I was a public adjuster for 12 years. 
I know what public adjusters go through. I've been there, done that. I worked on almost every claim you could imagine as a public adjuster in my 12-year career, all before I went back to law school. And I can tell you now that public adjusters are hardworking, good people who advocate and give a voice to the policyholder. Why in the world would the state of Florida shut the mouth of, of these advocates? Why? And you have to look at that, and, and it's only driven, it's political, and I think it's campaign contributions. Yeah. Um, what What is it? What, what can you guys talk about? I guess, what is it that's going on on the inside? Uh, what is it that's going on in regards to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Guidelines and stuff like that, that the carrier puts on their own desk adjusters that tells them that they can't pay for this, they can't pay for that, they can't do this, they can't do that. Is there any way that we can talk about any of that? Like uh, what you guys know on what's going on on the inside as to as to why these things are happening? I'll defer to Stephen on that. I'll give you one interesting tidbit. One of the insiders told us that they were given instructions. Uh, the TPAs were given instructions from the carrier side very early in uh, handling the claims that we're not paying for roof replacements. Uh, and <laughs> any any roof damage is going to be handled as a repair. And as Stephen mentioned, many of the repairs were cut down so that they were just below the amount of the deductible. So people basically get nothing. Um, but that those are marching orders. And you will see as the pressure ramps up on some of these TPAs, we've already seen at least one where they're like, well, we're just following carrier guidelines. Uh, we're kind of at the point where the rattlesnakes are starting to bite themselves. Yeah, well, here's what I can tell you. It goes back to what I said earlier. How in the world can a policyholder ever be fully indemnified as per the terms and conditions of the contract, when the damage is there and because of a policy and procedure that was created by the carrier says we're not paying it, they don't pay it. It's unfair. These policies and procedures need to be reviewed and they need to be honestly thrown out the window. If the damage is there, I don't care what it is, you need, the carrier should be required to pay it. When did we go... When did we go from the idea of an independent person going out to your house, which is truly supposed to be an independent person going out to assess the damage to how did we get to a place where they're just all working for the insurance company? And, and look, I've been doing this for 15 years and it's kind of always been like that in my career. But was there not a time before when an independent person would actually go out or did we never that we never have that time before, because I don't understand why we're sending somebody out who is actually cutting the check to go and assess the damage. It shouldn't be like that because that's not a truly independent assessment as to what's going on. Anybody can take that answer. I, I, I will tell you, you cannot be on the board of directors or an executive with the APA if you are employed in the claims business. So I do not come out of the claims space. Uh, I'll defer to Stephen on that. I come from the victim space. And, and by the way, while we're there, I'll piggyback on something you said, which is the consumers have no idea this is happening. And having been there, I know exactly what that's like. You have no idea. I just kept thinking it's a mistake. If I just explain the damage to them the right way, if I just show them the pictures, they, they just don't get it. Uh, and it took me quite a long, as someone who had been a financial advisor for 30 years, my firm was owned by one of the nation's largest insurance companies. I was no babe in the woods. Even you know that level of astuteness, 
I really didn't get that this was intentional criminal fraud. And it took me a long time for my eyes to, you know, to open up. And a lot of the consumers are in the same place. But I'll, I'll defer to Stephen on when the process was corrupted. But I, I'm going to suspect it has something to do with uh, one of the most wealthy and powerful industries in the nation uh, having their way with the process that juices their profits. Well, I think a lot of it started to take place, believe it or not, when um, when insurance companies started having to answer to stockholders um, and and became publicly traded. Those things now they the pressures on them to make money mm. uh, and to and to post profits. Um, but you know, I had a time, and I. I his name escapes me right now, but everybody knows this guy. He's been in the business forever. Um, and I'm, I wish I could think of his name. But when I early on in my career as a public adjuster, I met him one day. Um, I'd had several cases or claims at the time with him. And this was back in like 2005, 2006. And I would meet him at my, my policyholders' homes for damages. And he was working for State Farm mostly at the time. And I got stuck one time up in Wellington and I called him. I said, hey, I'm running late. I'll be there. He said, no, 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 don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He said, I got it. I'm already on the roof. I'm going to buy it. I'll write the check. Don't worry. I said, well, I'm not that far away, but I'll be there. He said, okay. So he waited on me. And um, when I got there, he just stroked the check, handed me the check. And we went in and talked to the, to the policyholder and it was over and done with, you know, but somewhere down the line, it, was, it has become so adversarial that both sides think they have to elevate and they keep elevating, elevating. You know, you got public adjusters and contractors out there writing these stupidly inflated estimates because they say, well, we know that if we need this, we got to write the estimate for that. No, you don't. No, you don't. You know, we got to call out both sides. Mm-hmm. We've got to calm down and start doing things right in hopes that they'll calm down and start doing things right, too. Two wrongs don't make right. And uh, but the process has just become so adversarial. It's unreal. And it has in litigation, too. I was talking with someone last night at dinner and I said, you know, this used to be fun. It used to be great to help policyholders call up the other opposing counsel and just say, hey, what do you want? How do we need to get this resolved? Let's get it resolved. Now they won't talk to you on the phone. They don't answer your emails and they just file motion after motion, after motion, after motion. It's become so hard and so difficult. And the the whole process is just, just in a mess. Same thing happens on our side too, before it even gets to you. I mean, it's to get a hold of a desk adjuster. It's just like, it's, it's, it's next to impossible. You leave countless amounts of messages, you send emails, they don't respond. You file complaints whenever you can, but ultimately it's, it's like, it's like pulling teeth just to try to get their attention uh, on the actual claim. Um, That's Doug, so true. Doug, where do we go from here? Like, what, what, what's, what, what, what are we? What's, what's going on? I guess in the background, what, are, what are some of the things that are happening so that we can continue to shed light on this? Because as we were talking about Stephen before we came on, if we do not shed light on this as often as we can, they will do whatever they can to shove this under the rug and make this go away. So Doug, where, where do we go from here? 100%. And, and, and I believe that, you know, the actual um, official response you're seeing to at least uh, 
paying homage to maybe doing something about this is only because of the, the pressure that we're applying in the press. So, you know, look, number one, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Uh, these people do their dirt in the darkness. Uh, we bring a light. That's what the APA's message is. You know, we're here to shine a light on what's going on so that people can't hide in anonymity. They can't hide in darkness. Uh, the biggest thing we want to see is that this is investigated and if it's found to be actual crime, it is prosecuted. But I will tell you that it's way bigger than what we're talking about. There are actually, in, a, in effect, there are three ways. We see the Florida insurance market as being highly influenced by, you know, some have said corruption. Uh, there are three specific ways the Florida insurers are cheating. Uh, one is they're draining you know, we talked about the claims part of it where the insured, the insured policyholders are getting cheated and not getting an honest claim and that they're straight up stealing from these people. The second thing we're seeing is they're draining the reserves out of these companies uh, and letting them go into insolvency. Um, and when we start to look, we're seeing what's going on. Um, part of it is one of the methods they're using is excessive ownership and executive dividends, bonuses, compensation. Uh, some of them are obscene. Uh, there was a great article in the Tampa Bay Times in December. There's a really good um, reporter by the name of Lawrence Mowers. He writes for the Tampa Bay Times and the Miami Herald. And he looks up, we actually gave him the APA's research that we had done into three of the Florida's companies and the ownership and executive promises and dividends that they're paying out. And they are obscene in many cases. And it's draining a lot of money out of these carriers. The other way is we're seeing a lot of carriers using their own subsidiaries for and hiring them and paying them in some cases what is well beyond market rates, two to three to four times market rates. And the APA actually has a criminal case that we've recently submitted in a criminal referral in three states, one of which being Florida for exactly this. And it was one of the Florida carriers that was allegedly uh, went under because of all the lawsuits. Um, and, and while we're there, here's a simple way to avoid law lawsuits, folks. Pay people an honest claim. No homeowner wants to hire an attorney. Sorry, Stephen, but none it's of true. us, none it's of us true. want to hire an attorney and give up a third of our claim and you know get something dragged on for years. We just want to submit our claim, get the money that we've paid premiums for for years and years and years, some cases decades, rebuild our homes and pick up the pieces and go on with our lives. And now we're seeing what's happening is allegedly all these companies are going under because of the excessive litigation, you know, paying on his claim, you won't get sued. And then the second piece of it is, you know, a lot of these companies we suspect, and we have at least one criminal case in, are being, uh, it's actually an embezzlement case. They're being drained by the insiders of their reserves. They leave just enough money in to keep the regulators happy. And then if they have excessive claims, the company winds up going under, oh, well, we've already got our money out and protected and it's hidden behind you know all these different LLCs and partnerships and trusts and holding companies. Some cases they're, they're held by uh, offshore in Bermuda or the Cayman Islands, which are big tax shelters. Um, it's a lot more devious than you think. But like I say, there are three specific ways that we're tracking insurance companies in Florida cheat claims, draining reserves through excessive ownership and executive compensation, and also using subsidiaries to transfer money, profit, a profit shifting shell game to move money out of the insurer where it's at risk 
to areas where it's now safe and locked in in case the insurer goes under. Additional living expenses is one of the most difficult parts of an insurance claim. And the reason is, is it's very high pressure. And as a public adjuster or contractor, you're already dealing with the negotiating of the build-back process. You don't want to have to deal with ALE as well. Black Diamond Housing Services does all of that. They don't even charge the client. They bill it directly to the insurance company. It's all covered under the ALE coverage. So you need to call Black Diamond if you have a house that has been severely lost, whether it's like severe mold, severe water, fire, anything like that, where they need a place to stay, Call Black Diamond Housing Services and they'll be able to take care of your client from beginning to end. Wow. That's like a whole other, that's a Pandora's box set is just, that's just never ending. Holy moly, that's insane. It is way more devious than most people can imagine. Yeah, because you never hear who these people are who own these companies. You never really hear these names. I don't know who these people are. I hear this insurance company and that that's kind of it. I don't know any details as to who, who is involved and, and what's going on behind the scenes. But, you know, part of it is this. Whenever a company goes insolvent, uh, the Florida authorities are supposed to do, uh, you know, sort of a postmortem, you know, uh, and basically they do this and, uh, you know, this examination say, why did this company go under? Uh, Was it just bad business practices? Was it, you know, and what happens is they don't release them up until recently. They haven't been releasing them until the insolvency is completed, until the bankruptcy, in some cases, six or seven years. By then, no one's paying attention. These reports get thrown in a draw and nobody looks at it. There's no lessons being learned. You know, a, a classic example is Sunshine State Insurance Company, which went under in 2014, I believe it was, or 15. Uh, we didn't see the insolvency report until years and years later. And when it came out, it turned out they were doing that shell game. They were paying their own subsidiaries two, three, four times market rates uh, and basically draining the company and the company went under. Now, there is a new law in Florida. I believe it's either 90 or 120 days. They have to release at least a preliminary report on why this company went under. However, distribution is limited. It only goes to like three places. None of us can get a hold of it. None of us can get a look at it. And, uh, you know, we're, where is the lesson being learned? If we're watching all these companies going under, who's tracing the money? Florida didn't have a major storm before Irma for all those years. After I think it was like 12 years. After Michael, there was nothing until Ian came around. There was no named hurricane that hit. So for that four plus years, where are those millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars collected in premiums in Florida? Where did all that money go? That's a very good question. Michael was a small one too. I mean, the big one was Wilma and that was like, even more. That was that was what two thousand and five, and then Irma didn't hit until yeah. two thousand seventeen, so twelve years. Yeah. yeah. So where and where's all that money? Who's following the money? And are they disincentivized to follow this money because of all of the political contributions that are being made by the insurance industry in Florida? Is there, are they really not that? Because to me. Not a professional in doing that kind of work, but to me, it seems like a determined troop of Boy Scouts could figure out what's going on here. And I just don't see the motivation for them to determine, follow the money trail, where's it going? Because many times you will see it is winding up in a hedge fund or a private equity firm that is housed offshore in Bermuda or or Cayman Islands. Well, Vince, I can tell you too, um, 
uh, last Monday, I turned over all of the evidence that I have that I have been collecting. I turned it all over to Captain Green at DFS uh, for their fraud investigation. Now, I'm, I'm hopeful that Captain Green's going to fully investigate this and that she's going to see and be able to connect the dots. We have it. We, we have rock-solid evidence. Doug has seen it of their hand in the cookie jar. We know who changed the estimates. We know the date they was changed. We know the time they was changed. And we know what was changed. We have that evidence. We have all of it. And uh, it's up to her. And we hope that DFS will step forward and not sweep this under the carpet, but that they'll do the right thing. Uh, I am still getting calls from independent adjusters. And if you are an independent adjuster and you're hearing this and you want to come forward, please do. Uh, reach out to me, reach out to Doug, and, you know, we can certainly help you uh, and, and show you and kind of guide you and tell you what to do. But but going forward, I'm going to continue to keep the pressure on uh, DFS to properly investigate these, and, and we'll keep exposing it and gathering the information and sending it on over because that's what we should be doing. It's the right thing to do. It's wrong to sit back and let these insurance companies, who's in the position of power, right? They're in the position of sophistication. They're in the position of power to take advantage of these policyholders. It's wrong, and we've got to stand up to them. We've got to say, stop it, and we're not taking it anymore. Uh, can I ask who Captain Green is? She's the investigator for DFS. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, and to their credit, you know, she's a captain of the investigators of the Bureau of Fraud Investigation for DFS. So they do they do have a high level person on it. Uh, one of the things we've seen in the past is DFS, um, you know, the fraud investigators kick it over to the OIR, uh, the Office of Insurance Regulation, who has no teeth. They can find them. They can, you know, wag their finger at them. They can, you know, uh, that's. That's not how we handle crime. That's not how we handle theft from fraud victims. We 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 investigate crime criminally. We prosecute crime criminally. We don't find somebody who just stole a million dollars, two hundred thousand dollars. You know that is not a deterrent, and that's the idea. The idea is to eliminate this moral hazard. Um, you know, there, there's an attorney who coined this amazing term, uh, and it's called the unspoken immunity of insurer fraud that exists in Florida, the unspoken immunity of insurer fraud, where there's just nobody going after them uh, and they feel like they can get away with anything. And we see the evidence of that, not just in Florida, but nationally. But this is the place to stop it. This is the place where we're putting all our energy and all our effort to say, you know, we have caught them here. It needs to be taken care of. If we've, you know, and, and we have other avenues that we're investigating in case, you know, they do flip it to OIR and it just becomes a, you know, hey, a fine. And, and I'll tell you this. You don't find somebody who just stole $100, 20 bucks. Uh, you're just incentivizing them to continue. And in fact, if you're the state of Florida, are you not just sharing in ill-gotten gains? Are you not just sharing in the proceeds of these crimes by fining and taking money away? That stops nobody. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would take it that 
all of the enforcement actions in Florida have been ineffective and have stopped nobody on the insurance carrier side. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation. We wouldn't see 180,000 people from Hurricane Ian getting their claims closed with zero payment. Uh, had this been taken more seriously in the past, we just, you know, we would see more integrity in the insurance markets in Florida. Why you is know, it if the you, office? If you have a hurricane for a category four hurricane come through your area and you were paid zero? That makes no sense. Why that is the office no of insurance regulation like like why why is it just like they're kind of kind of a waste of time? Like as in why, why can't they do it? Isn't that what they're there for? Well, they don't necessarily do criminal enforcement, uh, as I understand it. Okay. The, the, Got the, it. the way it generally goes in Florida is these referrals, are, they're, they're sent to the DFS and it goes to the fraud investigators, the Bureau of Fraud Investigation. And they, in turn, once they've investigated and found it to be actual, you know, a potential for criminal fraud, it goes to the Attorney General, Ashley Moody, to be prosecuted. Uh, that's the joke. Now, every state has an investigating body and a prosecuting body. And these are white collar crimes. These are not, you know, thugs throwing bricks through jewelry store windows. These are difficult cases to investigate. They're expensive. They take a lot of time and energy. These are smart people doing devious things and they know how to cover their tracks. But there are others. Florida actually has many options for investigating this. There's the uh, the state's attorney, who is Florida's version of a district attorney, uh, they quite a few of them have the ability to handle white collar crime. Then there's the Florida of Division of Law Enforcement, who also can handle such a thing. The attorney general can step in and, and investigate these cases. So, you know, there are other options where if it looks like the DFS does flip it to OIR, because, again, what can OIR do? They can issue an order. They can ban you from the market, but we don't feel they're going to do that. They can fine you. They have a limited amount of teeth because, again, you know, we're looking for crime to be prosecuted criminally. Uh, and so the OIR, here, I'll give you a statistic. Before, Ian, uh, it was in the news that between from 2016 to just before Ian, I think it was June of 22, the OIR had received 195,000 complaints against insurance companies' claims handling conduct. Wow, that's a lot. And what have they done? And again, don't hold me to the number precisely. I could be off a little bit, but uh, I can research. But it, it was large. It was a huge amount. So now it was just in a, a blog recently. Somebody did a, an open public records act request. They found, you know, we watch your wonderful CFO going after public adjusters for the five years ending in November 22. There were 99 consumer complaints against public adjusters. In the exact same five-year period, there were 105,000 complaints against insurance companies. 99 complaints against public adjusters, and we hear how they're cockroaches and predators, and then there's 105,000 complaints against what is being done. So what is the Office of Insurance Regulation doing to stop this behavior? That's my question. Some would say 
not enough. It appears to be clear that it's not enough. Or again, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. So uh, I do not have any confidence in the Office of Insurance Regulation. You want to go one step further. There's a big problem with insurance commissioners in what's called the revolving door. A revolving door is a concept in, in public service where uh, an elected official or a public servant who is regulating a specific industry then leaves public service and goes to work for that industry. Uh, and they've actually done studies with insurance commissioners and somewhere between 37 to 50% of insurance commissioners go to work for the insurance industry immediately after in one form or another, either directly or as a lobbyist, et cetera. Um, and they've actually gone back and done studies. They've researched for those, what they call revolvers, people that went to work for the insurance industry. And they've looked at their behavior during their tenure as insurance commissioner and found a notorious bias toward insurance companies while they, because these are people that knew what their future was going to hold. So now you look at Florida. Florida just put a law in place. Uh, and what, one of the things that you can do about what's called the cooling off period, you could say, hey, you can't work for you know the industry that you are regulating for five years after you leave public service. Florida just put a law in place that took place uh, that took effect on January 1st that says you have to wait six years to go to work for any industry that you were previously regulating. Great law. Two weeks before that, Dave Altamar, the Florida Insurance Commissioner, leaves office without explanation. Hmm. You could make a case that the Florida insurance markets are in the worst position that anybody can remember under his tenure. And he sort of runs out the back door of this burning house, leaving the constituents behind to twist in the wind. And just before the law went into place, by the way, it just came out. It was announced he went to work for an insurance lobbying group and also for a reinsurer. He took two jobs uh, just within the last month or two. Um, this is some of the things why we don't have a lot of confidence in insurance commissioners or the OIR in effectively regulating the insurance industry. Because they're, 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 how do you possibly have any degree of public confidence? And again, if they were doing an effective job, we wouldn't be watching what's happening to these poor victims of Ian, for these people that have already been victimized once by a disaster. Now they're getting victimized again when they try to get an honest insurance claim. And Vince, I know you get the calls just like I do, because I got them as a public adjuster. But when these people get on the phone with you, they're desperate. Their house is a disaster their lives are turned upside down. Their whole family's not living the way that they that they want to live because, uh, comfortably because, you know, you buy a house based on your needs, right? Most people do. You need a three-bedroom house because you got three people that need beds and, and they need privacy. Um, and now they got two bedrooms that they can't use. Everybody's sleeping in the living room. And they're now using a half bath because the full baths are all jacked up. I mean, it's it's incredible, incredible what some of these stories we hear and and these people have suffered enough and it's just wrong, you know. And, and so the language that Jimmy Patronus has used uh, is not language that someone in public office should be using, especially against hardworking citizens. 
to advocate for a group of people just because he wants insurance company money or because he wants to befriend insurance companies. So when he leaves his little cozy position, he can go and get him another cozy little job. That, that language is totally uncalled for. And, and I'm with Doug. You know, I call on DFS to do something about this, to stop it in its tracks, stop hiding behind all this uh, false narrative that it's everybody else's fault, but the insurance company's fault. It's, it's the insurance company. That's where it started at. And I'm calling on DFS to do something about it today. And I'm calling up the public adjusters and the plaintiff's attorneys and anyone else who's out there fighting for the contractors who's fighting for policyholders every day. We got to hold them accountable. We've got the goods on them. And now we want something done about it. We're tired of it. And it's just not right. You know, a question I was going to ask, and I know a lot of people are probably asking is how. And uh, the answer that I feel like I keep hearing every time I try to ask this question is, and I, this is this is also my statement to anybody listening, <clears throat> excuse me, public adjusters, policyholders that are listening to this podcast right now, because I think it's going to be a very well-watched podcast, is bring out, if you're a homeowner, you need to speak up. You need to speak it, up. Send me a message, send Stephen a message, send Doug a message. Uh, we're very easy to find on social media. And if you're a public adjuster, which is my main audience that I have watching this show, I need you guys to try to find at least a handful, if not more, of claims that you've got that you feel have been slashed or have just been affected that you feel is just a little funky. Because I know I could think of five off the top of my head where if I can go directly to the homeowner and I could just say, hey, look, what do you think about maybe just, uh, I don't know, coming up and 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 let's do a video together. Let's post something on social media. Let's, let's, let's write a letter of tell me, you know, explaining your experience of what's been going on. Because the more of these things that we have, the better. So I am calling out any policyholder listening, any public adjuster listening, get your clients out there. If you're a policyholder, speak up, send us a message, public adjusters, send us a message. If you've got a group of three, four, five, 10 clients that you think that we can get a really good story from, especially on me, on my on YouTube, I've got a team of people that we can really post this stuff and get it out there. And uh, I feel like that's the only way that we can do it is just by really blasting it on all, all sides of the fence that we can on all, on all social media platforms that we possibly can't. And, you know, we have Doug and I've been talking with the media. We've got reporters, uh, both newspaper, magazine, as well as television reporters who are dying to talk to policyholders. They yep. want to talk to policyholders. But listen, there is a right way to do this. Mm -hmm. And there's a wrong way. And like Doug said, you know, I've, I've tried to do this the right way. I, I, and I hope that I have. But don't just jump out there. And start calling them the media and then rush your people out in front of them. You've got to do it the right way because you've got to protect them, right? First, that's the first goal is to protect them. Second goal is to get their story out, but get it out the right way. And uh, and I know Doug will be happy to help and assist to make sure that happens, as will I. And uh, and Vince, I appreciate your hard work and commend you for 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 getting this message out. It, it's time. To, it's time for this to stop, and we want to do it now. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, Stephen's right on the money because we, we talk about this being a financial crime, 
But this is way deeper than money. I mean, you're going to see these people going through financial destitution. They're going to have marital problems. They're going to have mental health issues, anxiety, depression. People are going to have an increased dependence on drugs and alcohol. A, a significant portion of children, the longer they're displaced, the more they will start to show signs of trauma and PTSD. It, it, it is dead. You're going to see, we've already seen some suicides coming out of Ian, and it's early it's early. This will drag on for years. I know personally, having lived through it, it took me seven years, seven years to get home after being a victim of insurer fraud. And uh, it was it's devastating. So we have to really understand that what's going on here is way deeper than money. Uh, it is absolutely un-American to allow people, the, the most vulnerable of our citizens, to be able to put through hell like this. And like Stephen says, it's time for it to stop. And I will caution you, if you are a public adjuster, look, you know what happens to public adjusters when they file a lot of complaints against insurance companies? The authorities don't go after the insurance companies. They come after the public adjusters. That's true. We are tracking this in multiple states. Florida is one of them. Funny, I started a YouTube channel and all of a sudden I've been getting complaints from the insurance company. How does that work? Yes. And that's, <laughs> so, so be careful. One of the things we say, listen, join the APA. You can you can funnel your complaints directly, have your homeowner file the complaints, or you can come directly through the APA because we are, you know, let them try to come after me. I I, I don't I need anything from the authorities in Florida. I don't have to go to them with my hat in my hand looking for a license. They've got nothing on me. And we relish the day that they try to come after us for standing up for consumers' rights. Um, so, you know, we are a, an organization that provides quite a bit of safety to be able to air these things. I can, I can research the things that most people here do not have the ability or the bandwidth to research. And I can say the kind of things that most people here probably shouldn't say. Um, you know, we are very outspoken because we we feel that, you know, what needs to be said, sunlight is the best disinfectant. This needs to come out so everybody can see what's going on. Yeah, right, and I, I want to go ahead. Just want, just want to reiterate. We need your stories. We want your stories, but we want to make sure we do it the right way and that it's getting and that the, the policyholders are protected because, um, you know, there's other carriers out there who've actually filed lawsuits against their policyholders. Uh, and we all know of one South Florida insurance company who was filing lawsuits against their policyholders all the time. We don't want any of that to happen or to take place. We want to do it, but we want to do it properly. Um, yeah, I just want, I want to, I wanted to close out by really encouraging people to join the APA. I have, I've been a member for quite a while now. Uh, Stephen is a member as well. And I, I believe truly, Doug, in what you're doing. So if you are a public adjuster out there, a contractor or anybody in this in, in the insurance claim restoration business, I encourage you uh, to sign up. We'll leave the information below. And before we close out, if I could just get, you know, a little just some closing thoughts from each of you guys, Stephen, if you could start out uh, just some closing thoughts for the audience. Well, uh, <laughs> I haven't held my thoughts in too much, but so I think everybody knows where I stand, but listen, I have been a long time policyholder advocate. I was a contractor 12 years as a public adjuster, all before becoming an attorney. And when I became an attorney, I felt like I stepped into my destiny and I have been fortunate enough to 
have worked with some great attorneys over the years, and I've got some great attorneys here that I work with in my office. And my focus now is protecting policyholders against this fraud. And, and that's where I'm really focused on right now is I want to be able to stop this in its track, but, but I'm just one man. But, but, but one man with an army can do a lot. And that's what we need. We need the army. So don't sit back. Don't sit in the shadows. Come out, help, support. There's plenty of ways you can do that. You know, just an encouraging phone call helps. I've had death threats. Uh, you know, I, I was told to watch for red dots and I should probably have somebody start my car before I leave every day from work. You know, <laughs> but uh, So sometimes it's just an encouraging phone call, but, but do something, do something. But let's stop this. And I like to, yeah. And I like for people to reach out to Doug Quinn, APA, and I'd like for people to Absolutely. reach out to Stephen. Uh, we've got all your contact information in the description below. Doug, how can people reach out to you? Uh, you can go right to the APA website, apassociation.org. That's alpha papa, the word association.org. And there's information on how to join. Uh, consumers, policyholders can join for free. And, uh, you know, professional members, people who make money in the industry, obviously there's dues to pay. That's what funds our mission. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. We keep up to date on what we're doing. All social media, Instagram, and, you know, that stuff. And then, uh, you know, sort of along the lines of a, closing, you know, we talked a little about integrity. One of the APA's positions is fraud happens on all sides of the claims process. Uh, unfortunately, it is always prosecuted to defend insurance companies, never against the crime that they commit. So the APA is dedicated toward focusing on just on the carrier side fraud. But the reality is all fraud is wrong. And your integrity should come first. That should be rule num number one in business. What's in the best interest of the consumer should be your guiding principle. And you're in the best position to hold the insurance industry accountable when your integrity is beyond question. You know, we don't cheat. We don't take the shortcuts. We don't go for the short money. We play this, you know, we, we, we work this career for the long run. And when I say we, I mean you. Um, and, the, and the idea is you know, integrity has to come first and we have to teach that to the next generation. And the, uh, you know, when we see something wrong, we stand up and we do something about it. It doesn't matter if it's hard. Yeah, we're going against one of the most powerful industries in the country. And I want to stress many people's careers, country club lifestyles, political careers are based on this system the way that it goes. And if the system is corrupt, if the system is wrong, if it is unethical, and if it cheats consumers, yeah, it's hard, but that doesn't absolve us of the responsibility to stand up and do something about it. And that's just in our nature as Americans, this country was formed because farmers and shopkeepers and deadbeats and hunters grabbed a musket and joined together with their their neighbors. And they stood up against one of the most powerful armies on the planet and kicked their ass and created this country of America. And that is in all of our DNA. We stand up for people who cannot stand up for themselves. And you can still be wealthy and you can still be successful and make a boatload of money in the industry. But I know everybody wants to help people and have a little bit of time and energy to give back to people that aren't as fortunate as we are. And that's, you know, we joined together under the APA to do exactly that. And it's why we all became public adjusters. It's why we became attorneys. It's why we do what we do. So I encourage everyone 
to not let this get swept under the rug. I know that there is a continuous investigation. I know that there's probably going to be more articles similar to the ones that we saw in the Washington Post coming out. And I want to encourage everybody who is watching this, anybody who is in this industry or has been affected by this to not allow this to get forgotten. We need to post it. We need to put it up there. We need to talk to others. We need to share it everywhere that we can to just leave, let's leave it in the spotlight for as long as possible so some changes could be made because the changes that we've seen over the last year or two have been pretty brutal uh, to policyholders, homeowners, and the industry as a whole. However, this, I feel, it could be a little a little saving grace uh, for, for, for the entire, just for the entire situation that's going on here in Florida and obviously throughout the rest of the country. Stephen, Doug, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that the two of you are busy as all hell. I mean, Stephen, you've got like, court tomorrow and stuff. And I, I know you guys have got all kinds of stuff going on. And I just really appreciate you taking the hour out of your day to sit here, talk to me and just make the people aware. So thank you again so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, I'll have people contact you and let's take this thing to another level, huh? All right. Thank you. Good to see you, Doug. Excellent. You too, Stephen. Vince, thank you so much for the work that you do. We appreciate it.